another episode of the Granite List Live. Navigating a sea of benefits solution is daunting at best, and new vendors emerge every week. Host Lee Dill and Sally Pace bring brokers and employers a solid resource when it comes to uncovering what's new, what's needed, and what is happening now to allow for the best plan design possible. By staying on top of trends, brokers and employers can in turn stay on top of spending while improving employee engagement and outcomes. One of the biggest barriers to individuals being proactive in their health care is the time it requires off of work, especially those in an hourly position. This has a trickle-down effect on adherence to preventive measures such as cholesterol checks, EKGs, and logging in family history when minor symptoms present themselves. By the time an issue escalates, plan members may find themselves needing an ambulance, ER visit, or worse. National Diagnostic Services has a soft spot for emergency workers and municipalities and is dedicated to going to them at their stations, offices, schools to help them stay ahead of their health concerns. Many employers will compensate employees for their time visiting the drive-up medical van because it makes sense. It saves lives, time, money, heartache. Join Lee and Sally as they start this conversation with Michael Ketzlak, CEO of National Diagnostic Services. Thank you for joining us again today, everybody. We are excited about the topic that we're going to cover. It's very timely, and Michael and his team are some of the leaders nationally in what they're doing around chronic disease and cost containment. So, Michael, why don't we start with you telling the audience a little bit about your business model. What does NDS do? Yeah, so our business model really took the experience from the traditional healthcare, and right now there's a tremendous amount of articles that are written about the uncontrolled cost of healthcare and the diversification of that cost. So the examples of going and receiving the MRI that may cost many-fold difference, whether it's done in a particular hospital setting or it's done in a particular outpatient setting. And that's applicable for almost every healthcare procedure. What we try to do was to create a concierge, transparent, cost-effective delivery of healthcare primary care services, really targeted toward self-insured employers who are able to determine their costs and determine the area of healthcare focus for their population. And then it is our becomes our responsibility to come in, to engage those employees, to educate them on the state of risk they may be in for cardiovascular disease, for different pulmonary diseases, chronic diseases, early cancers, depending on their occupational risk, provide necessary blood work, physical examinations, and then engage them very importantly, appropriately into local area of care, whether it is a primary care setting or a specialty setting, depending on their needs. And then expanded from that, we try to continue to have touch points with those individuals throughout the year to make sure that that coordination of care plan that was determined between the primary care provider, our primary care team, and them is continued to get followed. If somebody has had challenges following that coordination of care plan, we try to, again, develop a different guidance strategy to help them get to that outcome with the ultimate focus of really reducing the different risk factors 
for progression of cardiac disease. Uh, those risk factors are uh, your basic lipids, your sugar level, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, things of that nature. I know I've had the privilege of being alongside your team when they've actually been working with firefighters. Describe for those listening what that looks like. I mean, you all are, you're running mobile units. So how does that work? One of our, uh, the keys to the success of the program, and what I mean by the keys to the success of it is really having the outcome for those individuals over time of reducing those risk factors and frankly, improving their health. That starts out with a basic premise of lowering the barriers for folks to be able to participate with a primary care provider. So most of us, when we have a toothache, when we have a particular pain, we will seek those healthcare services in an ER setting, physician setting, because they're symptomatic. With most chronic disease, they're frequently those, even though the individual is at risk factors or already may have the early stages of that chronic disease, they are asymptomatic. In a large component of the labor force, especially for the folks who are dependent on an hourly type of wage that we often see in a manufacturing setting, individuals who are asymptomatic will not seek primary care early on when chronic disease, frankly, can be stopped and reversed. So the key component of our services is what we did was we build mobile clinics and we take those mobile clinics to the place where people spend, frankly, majority of their lives, their employers, and we operate 24 hours a day. So we make ourselves available during shift times and the employers compensate and pay their employees to participate in these different services during their work hours. One of that is a form of reduction in the barrier of participation is a key component of the success of the outcome of the program. So do the employees come to you when they have an issue or are hurt, or are they coming to you for check-ins like they would their primary care doctor? Yeah, so the program that we're discussing right now is centered around the annual wellness visit. So it's centered around your basic blood work, your lipids, your hemoglobin A1C, sugar, cholesterol, blood pressure, full physical examination, review of systems by a primary care provider, and really an in-depth discussion about what that health history, what the blood work means to those individuals. So that particular program is a planned program, so it's structured. Individuals sign up for the program and they participate in it during those work hours. So in that particular program, we do not see acute care patients. The, the focus of the entire service is really to identify individuals with early stages of chronic disease, educate them, help them develop a care plan, and then guide them using our nurses and care coordinators to guide them to appropriate level of care around where they live. So how do you find the appropriate level of care? Do you have doctors in your system that you refer out to? Is that part of their network? How do you find the appropriate care? So on the mobile clinics, mobile clinics are staffed with providers, one or two providers, depending on the size of the program, nurses and MAs and technologists, depending on what kind of, whether they're getting x-rays done, whether they're getting ultrasounds done, whatever they may be getting done. We, prior to an event, we do determine what area providers are in the provider network of those particular individuals based on their insurance, based on are those physicians still accepting new patients. And we try to create really a soft transition from our unit to coordination of care by a local doctor, which is important in many cases. 
uh, to make sure to get that individual engaged in that primary care level. So they don't wind up, frankly, in ER with a heart attack. I mentioned the firefighters earlier. Can you talk about some of the um, verticals or the types of employers that you see being drawn to these services that or, or that need them that maybe not, are not tapping into them? So the example of a firefighters is uh, very relevant. So the firefighter group of individuals are much higher risk than the general population. So as I just described, our traditional program to the general public involves very basic blood work. You're really looking at your cholesterols, your sugars, your blood pressures, basic physical. In the firefighter space, it becomes something else. These firefighters are at 12% higher risk for cancer. They are at much higher risk for heart disease because of everything they have to wear and uh, reduction in, in the breathing apparatus as additional stress. So for them, the actual uh, event is a much more comprehensive event. You know, the blood work involves over 90 different points of measurements of the blood work, looking for different heavy metals, looking for the traditional risk factors, but also a lot more risk factors that are pertaining to them. Firefighters undergo a stress test to determine the level of fitness that they have, take a look at if there's any kind of uh, EKG abnormalities in their heart. And similar program is actually operated for the police department too, because the police and fire, both of those uh, emergency responders are under significant risk of heart disease and cardiac events, as well as cancer. So some of their testing is a little bit more specific to their particular occupational risks. Are you working only with municipalities? Yeah, well, we work with a lot of municipalities. We work with a lot of cities, um, city of Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Cleveland. We work with state police departments. We work with unions. Uh, union leadership has recognized and has supported the need for the membership to be identified early for uh, cancer or chronic disease to engage them early. Most of the states, uh, with the support of the union, have presumption rules now for cancer for firefighters. So in other words, if a firefighter develops cancer after their employment, they are covered under uh, different plans within the state. But like anything else, with cancer, one of the large components is early identification of an individual with cancer has a much higher probability of a cure, of a resolution, whether it's 100, especially in the United States today, the further down the progression of cancer becomes, the higher the cost of that individual and the lower the probability of uh, having a successful outcome. Now, frankly, we just had a screening program yesterday in, uh, I believe it was in Baltimore, and one of the chiefs were able to identify a significant early stage of cancer that it was asymptomatic that will be managed. So will you be doing screenings just through blood work for early detection, or is it the ultrasounds? There's uh, different modalities that, that are beneficial, and, and you look at different things that are appropriate for different people based on their age, based on their sex, based on their occupation. So with us, because we're a traditional healthcare provider, and our beginnings started out with diagnostic radiology, where we still provide ultrasound services, vascular services, computer tomography, CT services, MRI services to healthcare systems. What we do is we use a combination of those modalities. Uh, so in certain cases, we the ultrasound is a great modality for identification of uh, and determination of certain vascular disease 
and screening for certain cancers. In a scenario where you're looking at lung cancer, CT is the best modality for screening for lung cancer. That's considered to be the gold standard. Also, uh, addition of calcium scoring done on a CT scanner for folks who are 40, 50 years old. I uh, take a look at blockages, uh, potential calcium blockages in their arteries, in their coronary arteries. So we use those modalities too. So it really depends on the group. One of the things that we've been able to do, and we've taken this approach from really the beginning of the formation of our business and our company, our services, we're very customized to the needs of the employer, specifically based on what is their culture, what are their risk factors, because just like Sally and yourself are different and your health needs are different, same thing in a group setting too, epidemiologically in a group setting, it's, it's also the same. So it's not really one size fits all. And that's I think one of the reasons why we have been successful and, and that's why we've retained our customers and have grown because we do provide a tremendous amount of customization to clients, not just on the services that are provided to them, on the communication strategies. It is really not one uh, solution that fits all. So we talked in great detail about the, um, the municipal sector and what you're doing. Can you describe on the, the corporate side what trends you're seeing with the clients you serve there? Well, we've seen in the last seven years in a self-insured for-profit corporate side is a much larger awareness of loss of revenue and ineffective solutions and specifically in the healthcare spend. So we've found that with the new analytical tools and software that's, that's available, uh, self-insured employers, and a lot of times we're part of those discussions, we're able to take a look and identify the health spends and take a look at where those health spends are ineffective. Ineffective meaning they're too high and they're not, and their outcomes are not particularly significant. And then create a solution, whether it is a annual wellness is a solution, whether it's a screening solution, whether it's a mental health solution. That's one of the things that we've seen really on a rise in the last two years. We started putting in a lot of mental health providers and providing mental health support for employers because of the anxiety and stress that folks have been dealing with. But a lot of it in the self-insured uh, space is actually becomes much more customized because employers, because their employees are very different. You may have an uh, older population, you may have a younger population, you may have a population that's predominantly female or predominantly male. And based on those, and not just based on those, but as some of those factors that they should be con considered when we're taking a look at trying to present a program, and most programs are multi-year programs, is certainly to address healthcare, uh, there's no solution that will cure chronic disease. It, it definitely takes time. And there needs to be commitment uh, over usually at least a three to a five-year period for a particular program to have to see significant outcomes. But again, it's, it's, it's always customized. And I do, you know, from a standpoint of the difference between municipalities or government entities and for-profit entities, the for-profit entities are much more flexible. And it doesn't matter the size that they are because we deal with employers that are as large as 40,000 employees, they're generally much more flexible and willing to take a look at what they can do and they, how can they measure the difference. So if an employer wanted to engage you, what would implementation look like? Would you look at their data and say, these are the um, lines of service that I can provide to you to help bring down costs? Or do you roll up your mobile clinic and start 
looking at their patients? What? How does an employer decide how to engage your services? There's different levels of services that we provide. We usually would like to start with a foundational base of the annual wellness visit. The reason we like to start with that particular service is because it is really the foundational structure of identifying what are the chronic disease and what are the risks in the population. So once we have that aggregated data, then from then we can take a look at additional programs that may be much more targeted toward particular individuals or particular groups. The engagement process usually needs at least a three-month lead time. There's got to be effective communication. One of the strategies that we found effective is um, on-site seminars to the employees, explain to them the differentiation of who we are versus the employer, making sure that the employee feels comfortable, that their healthcare records remain private, and we are a healthcare entity. And by law, their personal records are not shared with their employers. Uh, then uh, educating them uh, specifically on the use of that program and its benefits, and then rolling it out. So it usually takes approximately three months lead time. So Michael, thinking about this incredible business that you've built, can you share with us a success story, something you're really proud of that you and the team have accomplished? Well, I tell you, I, I can't take credit for the success of the company. I will take a little bit of credit for leading and being able to, um, frankly, be honored to be part of such a great team. Folks have been, most of our upper management team has been with us average tenure, I think close to 15 years. Our average tenure is over 10 years for the company. So I'm proud of the fact that the folks, uh, from a perspective of leadership, they put their trust in me. There's personal success stories. I mean, there's personal success stories that we have uh, actually... One of them is, I believe, Sergeant, uh, one of the gentlemen, he was actually a firefighter, came to us for a physical, asymptomatic, his physical and distress test, and stress test and the physical were very positive right away. We were able to stat his report. We were actually able to transmit his data right from our mobile unit to our cardiology for a second opinion from primary care, identified the individual at risk, uh, rushed him right away to the hospital, and... He wound up having a quadruple bypass and survived. And that's on an individual level that always stands out significantly with you because um, it's something that the person would not have been there for his uh, children, for his loved ones, if those things were not identified. One of the things that, and this happens to us, fortunately, frequently, unfortunately, we don't recognize as a society that first sign of cardiac disease is frequently a heart attack. And that's one of the things that we're trying to avoid. On the level of more aggregate successes, we just had one of our longest clients do a third-party analytical review of our services and our programs. And besides the fact that uh, it identified that the program had a return on investment of almost 1.89 times per year, the program economically saving over $1.4 million every year to the client, it also showed tremendous success in the outcomes of a very high-risk chronic population they had. And they showed that the folks that were participating in our programs over the period of four years, that their risk factors and their compliance to necessary conditions really was reduced. Not the compliance, but the risk factors. Compliance was improved. That's significant. Uh, and we hear them all the time. Just one of our radiologists just identified a significant mass of one of the individuals recently. 
So it's always wonderful when you hear the folks later on and uh, they write letters and it's very nice. It's a very rewarding experience, I can tell you that. So timely, too, as people really are concerned about their health these days and they don't have time to take care of themselves. So being on site for those employers and employees is definitely important right now. We surely appreciate you taking the time to share your story and your company and all your successes that you've done. For those that want to get in touch with you, Michael, can you share your contact information on how to reach you? Yeah, I can be emailed at amicatslack at ndswellness.com. Folks can just call to our office at 248-476-6980. Our website is ndswellness.com, just like the acronyms in the name. And again, there's a contact uh, tab there that you just uh, request a meeting. We'll be more than happy to take a look at their specific needs and see what we can do to, to help them. And one more thing that we love to ask all of our guests, is what is your favorite industry book? Is there a book that you would recommend to our audience that they need to add to their bookshelf? One of the great books I've just read, which um, really opened up my mind many different ways. It's called More Is Not Better by Roger Martin. It's a very interesting book that takes a look and analyzes efficiencies and analyzes the dangers in efficiencies. And I think actually it's pertinent to our conversation today because sometimes when there's focus on efficiencies, there is reduction in focus on quality. And uh, that book takes a look at that across all industries, whether it is finance, whether it is legislative, certainly it's applicable in the healthcare industry. It's very interesting. We thank you for sharing that. And we will be sure to link that on our resources page on the Granite List dot com or chcnow.com. So be sure to pick up your copy. National Diagnostic Services on-site programs are designed as a supplement to team members' existing healthcare providers. Our programs focus on educating participants about their health status, educating them on behavior change options, and engaging them to additional care when needed. Our scope has expanded to on-site programs for municipalities and self-insured corporations with a goal of removing barriers of participating by delivering a concierge-level program at the place where people spend the majority of their time, their work. The demand for this service expanded NDS's reach to a national footprint, currently servicing employers in 33 states. Learn more at ndswellness.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Granite List Live. Access our entire library by visiting your favorite podcast venue or subscribe on our site, thegranitelist.live. Thank you.